0: Welcome to Empower to Recover, the podcast for individuals in addiction recovery who are looking to make a positive impact in the world. We know that recovery isn't about overcoming addiction. It's about discovering your purpose, finding meaning and life, and making a difference in your community. This podcast is for anyone who's been touched by addiction and wants to create a positive change. Thank you for joining us at the Empowered to Recover podcast. Today's guest is Theo Flurry. We are so excited to get into his story. Um, Before we jump in, do you want to introduce yourself and just share um, who you are and a little bit of the things that you've been doing to really support the recovery and mental health space?
1: Right. Uh, My name is Theo Fleury. I am a former NHL hockey player, uh, Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And uh, so... You know, I truly believe at the core of every single issue we have in society starts with trauma, okay? And, uh, well, unresolved trauma, right? And that unresolved trauma leaves us in emotional pain and suffering, okay? So it's, 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 it's silent. You can't see it. You can't recognize it. Etc. So, how do we deal with this emotional pain and scars that are left behind from trauma? Well, we tend to gravitate towards the dark side of life and get involved in addiction as a coping mechanism to suppress the emotional pain and suffering, right? And we have done a really poor job in society acknowledging that trauma is the catalyst which brings us into the mental health space and the addiction space, right? Uh, Because I carried around a secret for 27 years of my life, right? And they say in the program, you're only as sick as your secrets. Well, guess what? I was (laughs) sick physically, emotionally, and spiritually sick, and 19 years ago, I had a fully loaded pistol in my mouth, ready to pull the trigger and end my life. Not because I wanted to die, but because I was completely exhausted from living in emotional pain and suffering. Right. And being an addict and an alcoholic is really hard work. Okay. Mm. It's, ex- it's exhausting. Um, and so, um, in 2009, I wrote a book called Playing With Fire and uh, where I told the whole story from start to finish. And um, and because, like I said, there's no space in society for trauma, uh, I was really scared. Mm. And I was really afraid because I didn't know how all of you were going to react to what was in the book, right? And (laughs) I also knew that I was going to go do a whole bunch of media surrounding this book, and I knew that the only thing the media would be interested in would be to re-victimize me at every opportunity they would get, right? So because I'm a pretty smart and bright guy, um, I spent the four days before I went to Toronto to launch this book, I spent it on my computer researching every single thing I could find on the subject of sexual abuse because I wanted to get a story of hope and healing and recovery out to the masses. Okay. So I show up in Toronto. I do 300 interviews in the first four days that I'm there. So TSN, Sportsnet, every major newspaper, every major TV, uh, morning shows, magazines, newspapers, you name it, I do it all. And, you know, just like I predicted, the only thing they were interested in was the gory details of my sexual abuse, right? But I had spent 25 years in the media being interviewed every day as a professional athlete, so I knew that I didn't have to answer The reporters questions directly so instead of their agenda it was my agenda and so i got this incredible story of hope and healing and recovery and all these awesome messages out out there so then uh the next thing on the itinerary was the first book signing okay Mm -hmm. and my expectations were like zero i was like nobody's going to read this book you know I'm not Wayne Gretzky. I'm not Mario Lemieux. You know, I had a great career, but, you know, not like that. So the first book signing was at the biggest Indigo chapter store in all of Canada, downtown Toronto, Yonge Street. And uh, I show up and I walk through the front doors and there's 400 people standing in line with my book. And I'm like, what the hell are all these people doing here? You know? So, so I sit down at the book table and I start signing books and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I spot this guy in line. Uh, and he's got my book clutched against his chest and his face is buried in the floor and he's walking really slow and his hair is greasy, his t-shirts dirty, you know? And, uh, I was like, Hmm, I wonder what's up with, With this guy, right? So I follow him all the way in the line. Well, let me just back up. So when I left the game of hockey, all I had was a grade 12 diploma from Vanier Collegiate in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, okay? (laughs) And I had more than half my life left to live. And I had no idea what the rest of my life was going to look like. So I follow this guy all the way in the line, he gets to the front line, puts the book on the table, looks me in the eye, and says, me too. And that's when I knew what the rest of my life was going to look like, right? Because obviously, uh, he was there for, he was there to deliver a spiritual message of two simple words, me too, right? And Um, what happened after that was, uh, nothing short of, you know, overwhelming miracles that happened almost every day in my life now. Um, you know, I got run over, I got completely run over by people everywhere I went five, 10, 15, 20 people were coming up after speak engagement or a workshop that I was doing, or, you know, just walking down the street. Sometimes people come up to me and say, Hey man, I read your book. Uh, you told my story, me too. Right. So, um, so yeah. So basically for the last 15 years I've been traveling all over North America talking about trauma, mental health and addiction and how they're all connected, right? And, uh, and just giving people a different perspective on, you know, what recovery is really all about, you know? And uh, um, it is probably by far the greatest work that I've ever done in my whole entire life. Um, You know, the, uh, you know, let's face it, you know, COVID-19 is not the pandemic. Uh, Mental illness is, you know, the biggest pandemic we have on on the planet. And uh, and so many people are completely unaware that they have mental illness. Uh, Some people know that they have it but they have no idea how to get help where to go to get help um you know and I'm a guy that spent I don't know a million dollars on therapy I've done 10,000 hours of therapy I've done every kind of therapy known to mankind and I can tell you that the cheapest most effective kind of therapy is a little thing called group therapy it's the most effective it's the cheapest most effective where you get a bunch of people in a room and the facilitator uses vulnerability which is storytelling and when you use vulnerability that creates safety and then once you have safety in the room that's when the magic of healing happens and it's that simple trust me it is that simple well, that's what's, that you know, so
2: so that's what, what's awesome about the whole whole thing. I mean, I, I got introduced to you back in 2008, I was going through treatment. That's kind of where I got introduced to you. I mean, I knew you as a hockey player, but not as, you know, this person that was this champion. You know, when I look at you, you're a champion in mental health and trauma and addiction. I know you have a great career and I, I love all that stuff. But for me, my connection and my heart to you is the fact that you went through all this stuff. You continue to go through stuff and you continue to get through stuff. That's the storytelling of an amazing <clears throat> feat that people go through. Um and and that's you know in 2008 and I got the I got the book. You signed the book for me when I did a catering event for you back in in, in Fort Mac and That's right. Yes. Yeah, we did we did that back then, but at at the end of the day it was you know I saw this guy and I was like, wow. And then and then when I started to kind of get to know you more in the Me Too story, that's powerful stuff right there where you weren't really expecting z- virtually nobody to show up, right? Because of this yeah. story and everything, and then all of a sudden you have this lineup, and then there's this person that says "me too," which kind of walks me into you do a walk too once a year, don't you? The 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 walk. Yeah. It, what's that mm-hmm. all about? The walk you do.
1: <laughs> well, after you know, after doing the book tour for a couple of years and traveling probably I don't know four or five times across the country i saw the enormity of sexual abuse on the planet and it was getting absolutely zero attention nobody was talking about it and well nobody wanted to talk about it first of all and you know i sort of became the poster boy for sexual abuse which was not you know was not what i wanted and so i said to myself well what's another word i can use to sort of transition out of this poster boy thing and so you know i just called it trauma right and what happened was when i just called it trauma then i invited the whole entire planet into the conversation right because we all we've all experienced trauma in our life in some way shape or form it doesn't have to be as extreme as mine um trauma is very subtle, you know. And and so I said, you know, why don't why don't I go on a walk and see what happens, right? So I got eight of my friends, two Winnebagos, and we walked from Toronto to Ottawa with like zero intention. We didn't expect anything, nothing. And what happened was every single person that was on that walk, our lives were changed forever because people like we'd be walking down the highway and people would pull up in their car in front of us. They would get out of their car and their faces would be buried in the pavement and they'd walk towards me and, you know, I'd walk towards them and uh, all I'd have to do is look in their eyes and give them a big hug and, and then all of a sudden, the story, 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 story—just stories after stories. And then uh, the last day, we uh, ended it on the front steps of Parliament, and we had twenty-five hundred survivors who had traveled from all over Canada to be there, you know, for the last day. And uh, and yeah, it was it was amazing. And so. Um, what we've done is we've picked a province every year and we've walked across the province or done rallies or, or whatever, because, um, you know, like I said, you know, nobody, nobody talks about trauma, let alone sexual abuse and and the victor walk is victim, victim to victor, right. You know, want victims to become victorious over their, uh, experiences, whatever, whatever they look like. And so, yeah, so it's, it's been pretty cool. And, you know, that kind of spurred into a foundation, which we run here in Calgary called the Breaking Free Foundation. We run two programs. Uh, one's a, one's a therapy grant program where you can write to us. Uh, and once you're approved, uh, we pay for your first six sessions with a trauma-informed therapist. And then if you need more, you can reapply and we'll pay for more. But the second program is, like I said, is probably our most effective and most impactful one is twice a month. We do a thing called, called a meetup where anybody and anybody can come. And we talk about trauma, mental health, and addiction. And uh, we have saved many, many lives through this program because it just opens up a conversation that first and foremost needs to be had, but isn't, isn't had, you know, in, you know, sort of the mainstream world.
2: I remember you, I remember when we were talking at the catering event, right? And then I went and did the 2015, I did the TEDx talk and that's where Empowered to Recover was never named that until this year or last year, but, I remember you saying, you know, there needs to be more people out there talking about trauma, mental health, addiction. We need to bring people together, um, you know. And and for me, you know, when I looked at this first event, there, there's no, there's no better goat than you to 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 <laughs> end her up, um, really, you know. And because I, the way you talk, I relate, right? And you're so right about stories. Empowered yeah. to recover is going to help so many people because of the all the different stories that we're going to be able to compile from the different pathways of recovery tools, resources, products that people are using because not everybody recovers the same way. We know that not everybody's foot fits the same shoe. Not everybody, not everybody does. And we're at a time now, after coming through this three year, whatever you want to call it, that we really need to be there for people because they are really, and you know this as much as I do, they're really suffering today in silence. Yeah, We need to be in a, in a, in a, massive movement to get people together to show them. Um, so what, you, what do you got to say, Brooke? That's probably the first well, time. You, you I, know, know, it,
0: I I just, first of all, want to honor the strength it takes to show up and share something like that so vulnerably. And as a male, first of all, um, I find that it's really, really hard for men to get together and be vulnerable together. And you're creating a space for that, which is huge. But also as an athlete, I can't even imagine the shame you had to break through Um, and the fear you had to break through in order to actually share that so openly Mm -hmm. in a book and show up publicly. And the people that we want to connect with at Empower to Recover are people who want to make real changes in their communities and want to show up and share their stories and come to this event and feel empowered to bring this knowledge, this excitement, this inspiration into their communities. And really, that's how we feel like a difference is going to be made. And you were talking a bit about that um, I need to research this before I get out there and talk about it. Like I need to kind of figure out what I'm doing because you're an open wound in front of thousands, hundreds, millions of people sharing something so personal. What is your advice to somebody who wants to put themselves out there, but maybe hiding behind that fear and that shame right now?
1: Well, I was more afraid of dying than recovering, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So you know that was the alternative that's that's you know that's where this whole thing took me was to that ultimate decision right and most addicts and alcoholics are faced with that decision am i going to die or am i going to live right and i really wanted to live but i had no idea how to live life on life's terms right which then you know brought to, brought me to my knees And, you know, found a God of my own understanding, right? And I would say 99.9% of people who don't recover don't have a spiritual base. And if you don't have a spiritual base, it's really hard to get clean and sober. Really, really hard to get clean and sober. And so, you know, I surrendered September 17th, 2005, turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him, and I have the greatest life you can possibly imagine, right? And, and you know, because it's a three-step healing process. It's physical, it's emotional, and it's spiritual, right? And your daily routine has to have all three of those aspects in there, otherwise, you know, you're you're just going to Uh, you know, continue to relapse, continue to overdose, continue to, you know, until um, you surrender, right? You know, I I always said, uh, left to my own defenses, left to me running my own life is the biggest shit show on the planet. Okay. And, you know, I sit comfortably in the passenger seat now and God drives the bus and I don't question anything, nothing, nothing. I just go with the flow and I live my life one day at a time. That's it. And then I get up and I rinse and repeat. That's it. So do
2: you think? Do you think? Obviously, because you know you're you're probably sitting around 18 years right now, and I mean that's just a number, just like minus 15. Or do you think over time? Obviously, over time, if you're doing the right things, things actually, you actually live a life in recovery versus like trying. You know what I mean? Like in those early couple, five, six years, it's like you're really because I'm watching my wife right now, right? Like Ashley, she's you know coming up on four years. You know, for her, she got to see a different way of recovery on how I do things versus the traditional way, which we've all done. Right. So she's got a different way of doing things. So do you think you is there like a switch? Because I remember there being a switch. Like there's this switch that just all of a sudden went, I have faith, faith is going to get me through this. I can do this. Obviously, I got to do the footwork and leave the rest up to whoever I believe in today um to do it.
1: Well, the ultimate goal is peace, joy, happiness, and serenity. And how do I get there? Right. How do I get there? Well, I would say the reason why a lot of people don't get there is because they're so full of anger and rage, Mm. right? So uh, because my first reaction to everything in the past was anger Mm. because what anger did is it kept people on the peripheral, never let anybody inside and find find my (laughs) secret, right? right so I kept everybody you know in in the peripheral but I realized that you know if I didn't work on my anger um, I was gonna live a really lonely bitter angry painful existence right and and so I had to learn how to cry Right, I had to learn how to cry because that's what's underneath anger is sadness, right? And uh, and you know when I was able to tap into the sadness, the anger subsided, you know, exponentially. And and uh, um, it was it was an ugly process, but you know, like I said, I was going to die, so you know what's what's the alternative, you know? So um, and, you know, I, I love the fact that you, you mentioned men, you know, uh, men got to heal on this planet, you know, cause if you don't heal, what happens? You abuse your wives, you abuse your kids, you know, you abuse your people that are around you because you're angry. Right. You know, I work in the prison system in Canada and, you know, all, all the guys in the prison are just hurt little boys that's all they are you know and they're very angry and they're very resentful and so they take it out on society and end up with consequences right but when you're able to tap in and explain to them what their anger is really all about it's just a beautiful process to watch these these you know guys who are all covered in tattoos face tattoos and whatever You know, they have that light bulb moment, light bulb goes on and they express that sadness that they've been trying to express for, you know, for many, many years. So it's, it's powerful, you know, it's, it's, it's power. Like, I love being a facilitator of healing because I've seen some incredible things. I've seen some incredible moments of healing that would absolutely just blow your mind. And I said to myself, you know what, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to facilitate that kind of healing, right? And, you know, that's what motivates me. That's what keeps me going is is those moments of, you know, when people have their own light bulb moments, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not pushing it on them. I'm just using my vulnerability to tap into theirs to get them to use their voice, right? That's it. That's how this works. Yeah, your,
2: your lived experiences. It, it's to say, I'm glad you brought up the prison system because I was, I was doing the same thing for a bit there and still I am a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's the lived experience that you and I and people that have what we have, have gone through because I remember sitting on that other side of the glass with that orange on saying, come on, get me out of here. I want out of here, please. I'll do anything to get out of here. Right. Then no. I get out of there, but then I'm left with my own devices and I'm on the payphone at the end of the road calling the plug or doing whatever mm-hmm. i'm doing right
0: yeah. so
2: it's really you're right when you see the light bulb moment because i can look at every single one of those people inside a jail and go you know what you may have done a whole bunch of bad things that doesn't make you a bad person it does no. not make you a bad person mm-hmm. i'm glad you brought up the prisons. Hey, another question is about the uh you know the decriminalization safe supply uh safe injection sites uh that kind of thing what do you think about that i mean i got my own opinion on it as long as you know, what, what's
1: your thoughts on it? Probably the same as mine. <laughs> it's a really bad idea. Really yeah. bad idea. Um, you know, uh nobody ever talks about the solution. No, right? That's 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 where I see it. You know, I understand that you know, um you get it when you get it, right? But readily supplying these people with their you know, sort of medication that they need to numb out uh, is a really bad idea, you know. Um, it, it, you know, it hasn't worked, you know. It hasn't worked. It won't work. It'll never work. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just really frustrated with government and how they handle uh, addiction because they don't talk about trauma, Right you know no. and, and if you don't talk about trauma then you know nothing about mental illness and you know nothing about uh addiction so keep your fucking mouth shut and and let and let the professionals handle it right the real people are out there who working with real victims of trauma right those are the people that need to be brought into the fold to you know but trust me just like big pharma they don't want anybody to heal anything, right? They don't want. Any, they just want customers. That's it. They want customers. They don't want healing. That's why. That's why they don't like me, right? They don't like me because I'm, I'm in the process of healing, and when you're in the process of healing, guess what? You can't be fooled anymore, right? You're awake. You're awake because you recognize patterns, right? Yeah. You know, one. Of, yeah. One of the wonderful gifts that I got from experiencing trauma was that I'm an empath, right? And I feel energy, and I I see patterns, and I see all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And because I'm open, honest, and willing, you know, I just call these people out, and they don't like it, right? They don't like it. Well, hey, it, and it, ha- it has to happen because
2: we are dealing with, we're, I, I do the same thing. People don't like me because I'm wide open and, and honest too. And I, I'm, yeah. you know, you're on a different level of where I'm at, but I, I get the same shit. And at the end of the day, it's like, this is how it works. You're going over how it works to keep individuals <laughs> stuck and stagnant and sick so that you can benefit from that. And in the meantime, it's, it, you know, you're right. It, it is it is very uh, frustrating, but we do have um, Cal from Kids Play who's speaking also at uh, E2R off, uh, you know, he's he, he's he been in the uh, enforcement for 23 years. He was uh, on boots on the ground on the east side, you know, and I had him speaking at this RISE meeting here in town in front of 41 people. And I just straight out asked him, I said, is van is, is Vancouver the worst you've ever seen it? And he said, Jay, uh, I can't answer you. Yes or no on that one, but I'll answer you. Yes. Mm. (laughs) So it's the worst you've seen it yet. You still continue to do the same thing. And that's why I have some hope and some faith and some courage and some strength with, empowered to recover and all these amazing people that we've brought together for this first event in new west um, m- minister to, to share about what we want to do and how we want to take this across canada and help people I, I have a lot of faith and hope to do this and bring it together um,
0: yeah. to show people you have some good news about bc they did shut down the mdma and cocaine food truck <laughs> 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 that is no longer in operation so yay <laughs> no government um i'm so so grateful you came here theo to share this story i cannot wait to hear more on stage at empower to recover we do have one last question before we let you go um so our theme of the event this year is what if we can stop addiction before it starts and that question is really to inspire ideas and innovations like what if that is possible what needs to be done in order to make this happen is there any ideas that come to mind when you hear that question
1: yeah, we gotta we gotta deal with the trauma on the planet. That's it. It's that simple. We gotta create safe spaces. We gotta create vulnerable places for people to tell their stories. That's it. You know, because trauma gets stored in your body, right? And how do you release that trauma? Well, through the throat chakra right here. Right. Yeah. That, that's where that's where, you know, God gave us voices for reasons, right? We need to use them you know um uh we have to teach courage what courage looks like right because courage is contagious right that's what i've witnessed in my experience is i found the courage and the strength to tell my story which then inspired other people to do the exact same thing right so um you know and whenever i do workshops um and somebody has a breakthrough moment, I make sure that I acknowledge this is what courage looks like. This is what it looks like. Right here, that's courage, right? So it's important to, um, you know, create a space for courage. You know, courage courage to talk about what happened, right? You know, like it's wild to me that You know, every mental health campaign starts with one in five Canadians Mm. suffer from mental illness. I'm like, okay, well, that's only adding to the stigma because we're shaming the one person who has mental illness. We're telling the other four to five, no, you guys are good. And you can judge the one person who has mental illness, where in my experience, it's five and five. It's all of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And once we acknowledge that it's all of us, then we have a base to build from. Right. Because now we have that big universal conversation about mental health. Right. You know, because the whole entire planet, we're all really good at wearing lipstick. Right. When we leave our houses, everything's fine. Right. Everything's good. But inside, our insides don't match our outsides. And when you get your insides to match your outsides, then you got a, Then you got a fighting chance, right? But if you don't get it, if you don't get to the inside stuff, the secrets, right? You're only as sick as your secrets, right? And then, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path, right? You know? And 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 that's getting rid of ego, right? Ego, ego's a um, well. What do they say? We're we're egomaniacs with inferiority complexes, right?
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, so I so yeah.
0: One in five people probably seek help for their mental health struggles. Yes. But yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. It's it. I haven't met a person on this planet that hasn't yeah. at least at one time in their life su- suffered with some sort of mental health, especially over the last three years.
1: Oh okay. my God.
0: If you yeah. got through that without some sort of anxiety or like mental health problem, yeah. then there might be a problem.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. well, that was so intense. The level of anxiety on the planet right now is crazy. Like when I walk out my front door, it just about knocks me over. The amount
0: especially of, being an empath, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's man. like it's crazy, you know. But
2: but that's why we're here. That's why we're yeah. here to to share the story. That's why we're here to to bring people together. That's why we're here to be open and honest and truthful about what's going on and how to recover and how we all recovered, because everybody is recovering from something. Uh that's that is true. that is a for sure thing. Um and, and <clears throat> we're just grateful that um you took the time today with us and, I, and I'm grateful that you, uh, uh, said yes to, to be in the future speaker at empower to recover. I've heard your story a hundred times. I don't get sick of it. I love the story. Um,
1: well, and- it keeps, it keeps getting, you know, sort of more refined and more poignant and more, um, you know, it's just, you know, the more people I work with, the more people I'm in contact with, you know, it just, it's very clear now what needs to happen in order for the world to recover from trauma. Mm. Right. Yep. You know, because my, you know, the, the big goal I have is to alleviate pain and suffering on the planet. Cause that's all I see. Right. When you walk in these circles of trauma, mental health and addiction, that's all you see is pain and suffering. Right. Mm. You know, and, uh, I think it's unnecessary. It really is unnecessary, you know. And, you know, as a collective society, we're really bad at relationships, you know? Mm. And and the the one the one relationship that we ne- neglect the most is the one we have with ourselves. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: And and if you start to have a good relationship with yourself, so if you love yourself and you take care of yourself and all those things, how do you think all your other relationships are going to be the same? Magical. They're, right? they're, ma- they're magical. <laughs> they're going to be the same. Yeah. So, you know, you have to look inward before you can look outward. Right. So, you know, that's, that's another message that's really, really important. Right. And, you know, I'm learning more and more now about uh, how to heal yourself. Is, you know, frequency, meditation, sound, light, you know, all of these things that they've sort of suppressed and told us they were bad are actually uh, incredibly essential, right? You know, I listen to at least one sound frequency every day. I meditate at least once a day. Um, I get out in, in, in the sun. I play golf pretty much every day. So light, sound, and frequency, those three things have changed my life, especially at the beginning of COVID when they locked us down and, uh, you know, made us put masks on. Like I was out of my mind, out of my mind because I need, I need, I need relationship. I need to interact with people. Right. And uh, somebody said to me you know why don't why don't you meditate for 12 straight days and see what happens and so i did it and i was like oh my god i got out of this depression that i was in i had hope again i i you know so many things changed in my life and it's simple as logging onto your youtube app on your phone and punch in meditation and i guarantee you there's a million meditations and whatever you're feeling in that moment, there's a meditation for it, and can help you. Re, you know, it's it's like medication. So instead of taking an antidepressant, put put a meditation on. It does the exact same thing. Mm. Same with same with the frequency stuff too. It's it's exactly the same. You're gonna love you Carl.
2: <laughs> well, he know he knows Carl. I he knows Carl.
1: Knows
0: Carl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. Oh Top my it. gosh, thank you so much Theo. This was uh, absolute gold. I know you're a gold medalist, but this is the real gold. Like this unintended was A good one. The fact that you're uh, so open and willing to share like this is just so huge and so powerful. Uh we want to thank our platinum sponsor for helping make this podcast possible, Team Unity. Um You can check out all that Ted is up to on our first episode. Thank you again, Theo, for being here. We can't wait to see you May 27th at the Anvil Center.
1: Looking forward to it.